I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. flipped open my notebook here and I have um, any idea what this might mean Jacob shout out to Vince I think I was supposed to shout out to somebody named Vince and uh, I forgot about it it's, uh, someone named Vince came into the studio I think like maybe a month ago and said hello to the crew and uh, I was supposed to shout out to Vince and I forgot and I feel terrible so Vince if you're out there listening it's it's a month late but still, a heartfelt hello, thank you for dropping by Saga 960, and uh, we appreciate your listenership. There, case closed. Take that one off. Another item off the uh, off the table. Our happy International Women's Day, Jacob. Not to you personally, but we should all shout out to uh, all the women in our lives. And just a reminder, a woman is a biological female adult human. Full stop, end of story, no apologies. A man who thinks he's a woman, not a woman. A man who says he feels like a woman, not a woman. Only biological adult human females can get pregnant. And there's no need to apologize for saying that. 
only biological female adult humans are women. Now, our uh, our seriously compromised crime minister, obviously a very confused person, and he has chosen to mark International Women's Day by issuing a statement declaring that, quote, trans women are women, and that the government of Canada will always stand up to hate whenever and wherever it occurs, end quote. Uh, this is uh, from a column from our good friend Mia Ashton, writing in today's post-millennial. Mia can be heard on this program, of course, uh, just about every Thursday. She writes, Trudeau began by saying that International Women's Day celebrates and recognizes the achievements of women and girls in Canada and stated that this year's theme is Every Woman Counts. And it's a reminder, he says, that all women from all ages and walks of life have a place in every aspect of Canadian society. Trudeau says, with a disturbing recent rise in anti-transgender hate here in Canada, we reiterate today that trans women are women and we will always stand up to hate whenever and wherever it occurs. Ashton continues, uh, this statement comes just days after Hershey Canada revealed that they had chosen to feature a trans-identified male as one of the faces of its Her for She campaign in honor of International Women's Day. Can you believe that? On International Women's Day, they put a man on their chocolate bar who thinks he's a woman. Faye Johnston. This is the man who identifies as a woman, calls for women with different political opinions to be, quote, so vilified they don't dare speak. So this is the guy who thinks he's a woman speaking, and yet our crime minister is talking about hate against trans people. So Faye Johnston wants everyone, every woman who doesn't agree with him to be vilified so they don't dare speak. And he was elected by Hershey last week. And within hours, the hashtag boycott Hershey's was trending as women all over the world voiced their outrage at such a male being chosen to represent women. Johnson also advocates for male rapists to be housed in women's prisons. What a lovely fellow. Boycott Hershey's indeed. He believes male rapists should be housed in women's prisons and believes the Canadian government should unequivocally affirm trans women are women and that ideologies saying otherwise are based in transphobia. No, they're based in reality. They're based in science. Women were quick to respond angrily to the prime minister choosing International Women's Day as the day to proclaim his support of males such as John Stone. Someone tweeted, you hateful, disgraceful waste of space. This is referring to the prime minister. (laughs) How dare you collude with TRAs, that would be trans, I guess, activists, to shoehorn themselves into International Women's Day 2023. How dare you? We don't give a damn for your pronouncements and you don't speak for us, tweeted one Canadian woman. It's not hate. It's a fundamental disagreement. If you don't acknowledge that binary sex exists, then your government is bound to enact laws and policies that are terrible for women, which has happened. That's true. It's your rising hate against female persons, tweeted female sports activist advocate Linda Blade. Linda, another regular on the program. We love Coach Blade. So this is uh, precisely correct. 
This is all correct. International Women's Day should only recognize biological female adult humans. Uh, let me read. This is important. Let me read you an article. This is going back to June 2015 from a publication called CNSnews.com. And it's about the, uh, the former psychiatrist in chief for John Hopkins Hospital. Dr. Paul R. McHugh, again, former psychiatrist in chief for Johns Hopkins Hospital and its current distinguished service professor of psychiatry. Back in 2015, in an interview, he said that transgenderism is a mental disorder that merits treatment. Absolutely, it does. That sex change is, quote, biologically impossible, end quote, and that people who promote sexual reassignment surgery are collaborating with and promoting a mental disorder. This is not me speaking, although I agree with him. This is the former chief psychiatrist at Johns Hopkins Hospital, Dr. McHugh. The author of six books and at least 125 peer-reviewed medical articles made his remarks in a recent commentary in the Wall Street Journal, where he explained that transgender surgery is not the solution for people who suffer a disorder of assumption. The notion that their maleness or femaleness is different than what nature assigned them by, to them biologically. He also reported on a new study showing that the suicide rate among transgendered people who had reassignment surgery is 20 times higher than the suicide rate among non-transgender people. Dr. McHugh further noted studies from Vanderbilt University and London's Portman Clinic of Children who had expressed transgender feelings, but for whom over time, 70 to 80 percent spontaneously lost those feelings. While the Obama administration, remember, this was in 2015, this article, while the Obama administration, Hollywood and major media such as Time magazine promote transgenderism as normal, said Dr. McHugh, these policymakers and the media are doing no favors either to the public or the transgendered by treating their confusions as a right in need of defending rather than as a mental disorder that deserves understanding, treatment and prevention. He goes on to say this intensely felt sense of being transgendered constitutes a mental disorder in two respects. The first is that the idea of sex misalignment is simply mistaken. It does not correspond with physical reality. The second is that it can lead to grim psychological outcomes. The transgendered person's disorder, said Dr. McHugh, is in the person's assumption that they are different than the physical reality of their body, their maleness or femaleness as assigned by nature. It's a disorder similar to a dangerously thin person suffering anorexia who looks in the mirror and thinks they're overweight, said McHugh. This assumption that one's gender is only in the mind, regardless of anatomical reality, has led some transgender people to push for social acceptance and affirmation of their, their own subjective personal truth, he said. As a result, some states, California, New Jersey, and Massachusetts, have passed laws barring psychiatrists, even with parental permission, from striving to restore natural gender feelings to a transgender minor. Again, this was written in 2015. This is the reality now in Canada. Parents are barred from taking their children that are suffering from this mental disorder to get psychiatric help for their underlying conditions. That is a crime. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The pro-transgender advocates, says Dr. McHugh, do not want to know that studies show between 70 and 80 percent of children who express transgender feelings spontaneously lose those feelings over time. Also, for those who had sexual reassignment surgery, most said they were satisfied with the operation, but their subsequent psychosocial adjustments were no better than those who didn't have the surgery. The former Johns Hopkins chief of psychiatry also warned against enabling or encouraging certain subgroups of the transgendered, such as young people, susceptible to suggestion from everything is normal, sex education, and the school's diversity counselors who, like cult leaders, may encourage these young people to distance themselves from their families and offer advice on rebutting arguments against having transgender surgery. All right. Sex change is biologically impossible, said Dr. McHugh. People who undergo sex reassignment surgery do not change from men to women or vice versa. Rather, they become feminized men or masculinized women. Claiming that this is a civil rights matter and encouraging surgical intervention is in reality to collaborate and and promote a mental disorder. That is the former chief psychiatrist at Johns Hopkins Hospital. All right. Uh, Coming up in hour two, Jim McMurtry was fired from his job as an Abbotsford, B.C. high school teacher for telling the truth about residential schools and for refusing to keep quiet about it. We'll hear from him. This hour, the cult of climate change with Tony Heller. But first, are the walls closing in on the crime minister? Pressure continues to mount for a public inquiry into communist Chinese meddling in our elections. Tom Korski from Blacklock's Reporter is next. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running for Wednesday, March the 8th. Facta non verba. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. Six times. Pierre Pauli have asked the crime minister in the House today whether the individual that CSIS agents had pointed out was involved in collusion, let's say, with the communist Chinese, was in caucus or in the cabinet. Six times he asked him, obviously referring to the allegations made against liberal MP from Don Valley North, Han Dong. Six times he asked him. And he just referred back to his old talking points. We take this very seriously, yada, yada, yada. Same thing happened in a media scrum. Perhaps one of the liveliest media scrums that the crime minister has faced 
since he became the crime minister back in 2015. So now the uh, the media that normally just carries his water is starting to push back a little bit. Thank God. And when they asked him, what did you know? When did you know? What did you do about it? Again, he just referred back to or reverted back to his old talking points. Meanwhile, a House Affairs Committee now is demanding an independent inquiry into the elections, and it's, it's, it was expected to be tabled today in the Commons. We're hoping to hear from Tom Korski. I think we have Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklock's reporter. Yes, we do. Tom Korski, just in time. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Just trying to stay on top of this. It's, it's really, it's like, a, it's like a beer barrel rolling down a hill, isn't it? <laughs> I'd rather be inside the beer, bar- beer barrel, but <laughs> uh, rather than running out in front of it. So, so what? Let's uh, let's get caught up now. Um, in the House today, I know the the, um, uh, the leader of the opposition asked the, the crime minister on six separate or six times in a row. And we've seen this before. Keeps asking the same question over and over: Is the uh, individual that uh, that CSIS warned you about regarding? you know, communist Chinese meddling in our election. Is he in the House? Is he in the caucus, in the cabinet? And the crime minister reverts back to his old talking points. Um, but in the meantime, the uh, the uh, the House Affairs Committee, including liberal MPs, um, I believe, are now calling for, or some of them anyway, are, are calling for a public inquiry. Uh, so that was supposed to be, that bill was, or that, sorry, that report was supposed to be tabled in the House today, was it not? It is. It hasn't yet. It may well this afternoon. It's a late start on Wednesdays. It was interesting, Richard. Today, the prime minister was asked by some reporters as he was walking to work, and he said, and I'm quoting him. He said, "To be quite honest, I know that no matter what I say, Canadians continue to have questions about what we did and what we didn't." Unquote. That's it. That's exactly correct. And so this is now a prime minister who has been overtaken by events. So what will happen? House Affairs Committee, six to five vote, majority opposition members said, we want a public inquiry. We are not going to leave it up to cabinet to pick the judge. Everyone is going to have a say, subpoena powers, testimony under oath, the whole works. When that report is tabled, we expect that to happen any minute now this afternoon up here in Ottawa. Then there will be an MP who will say, I stand up on his feet and say, I move concurrence in that report. And then you are off to the races, my friend. Because they have 177 votes in the House of Commons to concur on the report. What does that mean? That will be done. That is Parliament saying we want an independent inquiry. And then it's a showdown and it is put up or not with the Prime Minister as to whether he defies Parliament on an investigation into criminality allegations, Richard. Now, is, would that not be considered a non-confidence uh, vote? No, it's not. whether it would be technically is is an argument for the lawyers. But if you, if you do that, the parliament's over. I'm not being dramatic for the sake of it. You know, not everything is about a technical knockout. Sometimes people operate on faith and judgment. It's called integrity. You can't have a cabinet in defiance of a House motion for an independent inquiry into dishonest elections. That would be spectacular. Has that ever happened before when the House 
uh, votes on a motion and the the governing party ignores it? Well, it's happened to individuals. It happened two years ago. Some uh, people may recall his name was Ian Stewart. He was president of the Public Health Agency of Canada. Maybe this rings a bell. The RCMP raided a public health agency lab in Winnipeg, the National Microbiology Laboratory, because there were Chinese scientists working there associated with the People's Liberation Army. Four times, a House committee said, we want details and documents on that raid. And Stewart said no. So they hauled him up before that. He actually had to stand on the floor of the House of Commons and be censured. He was named and shamed. Hadn't happened since 1892 to have a federal employee censured for contempt of the House. Well, what saved him was there was an election. This is what I'm saying. Right. If right. that happens to a prime minister, the, the, the wheels are off the bus. I, th- I thought they were off quite a while ago. <laughs> Tom Korski stays with us, managing editor, Black Locks reporter, back with more of our conversation in three minutes. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. The Prime Minister remains defiant amid um, the scandal. Fuhrer continues over the alleged Chinese election meddling. And um, we are waiting for a House Affairs Committee report to be tabled in the House, which is uh, which was voted on six to five. Obviously, the Liberals were in opposition um, calling for this public inquiry. We're waiting. It may be tabled any moment now. Tom Korski stays with us, managing editor, Blacklock's reporter. Um, we just started uh, like a new session. We've got like three and a half, four months of, of question period. If the if the prime minister refuses to call for a public inquiry, if he defies this motion, he's going to be subjected to uh, scorn and humiliation for the for the next four months. Is is he likely to prorogue the parliament like he did? Um, what was that? Twenty twenty one. What do you think, Tom? That was over the uh, that was over some some. Some embarrassing committee testimony as well, wasn't it? That's exactly right. What happens when a House of prorogues, if people might find it interesting, is all committee work is, is ends. That's it. That's why you would do that. It's too late. <laughs> this committee is too late. The motion is in the House. The problem is this. There are various tactics that you can try, but as in hockey, if the puck gets ahead on the blue line, that is offside. There's no magic here, Richard. They don't have the votes. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. That raw. 
even with resignations and vacancies, there are enough conservative bloc and you Democrat votes to hold the prime minister to contempt if he wants to go down that route. The takeaway here is, and this is fundamental for MPs, and there may be a broader question, not just for constitutional scholars, Richard, but maybe for every man and woman on the street. Who runs this town? Is it going to be cabinet or is there going to be parliament? Because no one elects cabinet. Hmm. That's a selection of the party and the prime minister. Your MP is the only representative you have in Ottawa. So are they going to run it on your behalf or is it going to be by cabinet order? And I can tell you, you know who's really strong on this? Well, sure, there's the usual. The New Democrats are unbelievably strong on this. Whatever happened in the close relationship between the liberal and New Democrat parties, Something happened a week ago Monday. Singh said, that's it. On this, that's it. You're on your own. And it's going to get very interesting. So is he likely to, Singh, that is, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, is he likely to make his continued support uh, to the Liberal Party contingent on a public inquiry? Otherwise, he will, uh, he would vote with the opposition on a non-confidence motion? Well, we're not we're not there yet, but he has said, obviously, we support a public inquiry. We voted for it in committee and we're going to vote for it in the House. So that that's that. That's this is what I'm saying is you can't there's no way to to nuance the arithmetic. Cabinet is in a minority parliament and they don't have the votes Their Their opposition has the votes. And the conservative and bloc members are absolutely solid on this. If anyone wonders, you know, it's just some sort of inside baseball. You start to hear, you know what was striking for me? In the last two days in committee, there's been a, a New Democrat MP. Her name is Mrs. Blaney. She's a grandmother from Powell River, B.C. You probably haven't heard her. The, the mm-hmm. most, not the most well-known New Democrat MP was absolutely outspoken in committee. Because she has an airbase on her riding, and she says, you know what, those men and women are ready to put their lives on the line, their lives on the line. And so this is the least I can do, is to find out if we have honest elections in this country. It was very powerful, Richard. You had a block member saying, I get calls every day, saying, what is going on up in Ottawa with this banana republic on this bizarre Nixonian showdown between Prime Minister and Parliament on whether our elections are rigged. Are you kidding me? This is very serious now. So the walls are closing in. If you had to, if you had to place a bet, Tom, would you, would you say that he's the Prime Minister is going to fold and, and, uh, and agree to a public inquiry? Absolutely. I don't think he has any choice. The bizarre part is, why would you fight that in the first place if you don't have the votes? Why would a prime minister go to the ends of the earth to oppose a public inquiry into whether we had honest elections in 2019 and 2021? It doesn't make any sense. He doesn't have a choice, Richard. Yeah, why would he fight it if he doesn't have the votes? Why would he fight it if he has nothing to hide? Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter, support independent media, blacklocks.ca. Tom, thank you as always. Thank you, Richard. All right, let's open up the phone lines, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Your thoughts, is this the end of the Prime Minister? 289-275-9600, back with your calls. The Richard Serrett Show continues right after these on Saga 960. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. 
All right, welcome back. The crime minister remains defiant, refusing to call for a public inquiry amidst these serious, serious allegations of communist Chinese meddling in our election. The uh, House Affairs Committee has uh, or is expected to table a report momentarily calling for such a public inquiry. That means there will likely be a motion introduced into the House and it would appear the uh, there are the enough votes to pass this motion. What will the crime minister do? Ignore the motion? Prorogue parliament? The walls are closing in on this shady character. Finally, uh, let's say hello to uh, Dylan is joining us from Toronto. Dylan, welcome to the Richard Sarah Show. Hey, Richard. Uh, enjoy your show and happy International Women's Day. You got that right. I'm just wondering, uh, when is International Men's Day? Every day. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, just just a quick couple of comments, uh, Richard. I enjoy your show. Thank you. And uh, you had Mr. Tom Korsky on there uh, just a couple of minutes ago. Very insightful man, very knowledgeable, and he's a wonderful guy to uh, listen to, as are almost all of your guests. But uh, And I, I hope he's right in, in what he's saying. I, I know his facts are all correct, but I don't know about his prediction, because I'll give you a prediction is that Mr. Jugmeet Singh will fold. Mr. Trudeau will buy him off some way. Trudeau, just like, uh, you know, that, old, that New York uh, mob boss, uh, what was his name, John Gotti? Yes. The Teflon uh, Don? That's the it. Teflon Don? Yes. This is Mr. Trudeau. He will find a way for everything just to slide off. He is a slippery character, and uh, you you might be right. He could he could say to the uh, to the leader of the NDP, you know, I'm giving you a piece of paper. You write down what you want. You want free dental care for everybody. Okay, we'll do it. Uh, you want guaranteed um, universal income. We'll do it. Maybe not right away, but we'll yep. do it. And that might be enough. That might be enough. You could be right there, Dylan. You could be uh, right. one other thing. Which- one other thing, Richard, before you, you, you let me go, you had a, a guest on your show, and I guess he was a sponsor at one time. Uh, I think it was Rock Link. Yes, and Rock I think Link. you had the C. Yeah, you had the CEO or the president on. I'm sorry, I don't know his name, but I found him an extremely uh, knowledgeable, and uh, you know the ec- economic information, the facts that he gave, I thought were just great. Uh, I, I don't hear their uh, commercials anymore, but I, I hope you can have him on again one time because. I thought he was, uh, you know, just amazingly uh, factual oh, and insightful, man. I will definitely get him back on. Jonathan over at Rockland. Okay, yeah, great. You're great people. Thank you so much for the call, Dylan. Yeah, what um, that would be my worst fear, that he will buy off Jugmeet Singh with more vague promises of, who knows, affordable housing, the same drill that we go through every election cycle and nothing changes. Let's say hi to our good friend Bill is in Pickering. Bill, welcome back. How are you, my friend? Well, day 14 after the full knee, so uh, putting a little bit of weight on it. Got the staples out today. Good, good. They were just waiting for me. I'm telling you, it's red carpet treatment at the uh, hospital out here in Pickering. There was a lady there. Are you uh, William? Yeah, banging out. No problem. But anyways, what I wanted to talk about, Trudeau's future. He's got the the whole world stage. 
Like if he's going to be with the WEF or the WHO or UN or, or whatever, whatever they create. But take a look at Steve. Remember Stephen Lewis? Oh, yes. He's, he won uh, the official opposition in 72. He's with the UN, right? Bob Ray, he's with the uh, UN. That's it. McGinty, McGinty, I think he's in charge of the OLG now, right? And, and, and I, David Miller, he, he, he's doing something. But anyways, I just think the world's a stage for him. He, when he's gone, he, he's going to just walk into uh, one of these things. Well, of course, there'll be no That's tag days. There'll be, I agree with you, Bill. There'll be no tag days for the crime minister. As long as he's off our stage, he can go and he can become the secretary general or whatever of the United Nations. I'm sure, I'm sure he's salivating at that prospect. And Christian Freeland, deputy dimwit, um, she's rumored to be uh, leaving. Mark Garneau just uh, quit today, effective immediately. Not, uh, oh, I'm not going to re, I'm not running again in the next election. He's jumping ship which is always very telling, right? Deputy Dimwit, she'll end up with uh, some position with the World Economic Forum or the the, the International, uh, or the, I, um, the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, or something like that. Of course, of course. Uh, let's see if I can work in one more call real quick. I'm not sure who this is. Is there anyone there? Hi there. Welcome to the Richard Sarich Show. Who's this? It's Bob. Hey, Bob, how are you? Got to make it quick because I'm up against the uh, the clock here. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, I just wanted to uh, weigh in on the Public Affairs Committee uh, vote. Yes. Uh, Trudeau will not, I repeat, will not call for a public inquiry. Even if the House, even if the opposition has sufficient votes Demanding okay. a, a, an inquiry, he's. Go, do you think he's going to prorogue Parliament? He's going to say no inquiry and then prorogue Parliament. No, he's going to fall back. He's going to fall back on on his um, on his on that other committee he uh, wanted to set up. All right, the in, the Security and Intelligence Committee the of security. Parliamentarians. Right, right. And his special rapporteur, his special rapporteur. Well, he can try that. I don't know, because then he's got four months of question period where he's going to be hammered every single day. Uh, He's going to get a lot of bad press. Um, Even his former allies in the media are starting to turn. Uh, You could be right. You could be right, Bob. I'm hoping you're wrong. I think most of us, all of us are hoping you're wrong. On the other hand, what are we going to get with a public inquiry? Another whitewash? What we really want is an election, right? We want to be rid of this meddlesome narcissist. All right. The cult of climate change in three minutes. Stand by. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk. Saga, 960 AM. The Cult of Climate Change on The Richard Serrett Show. I can uh, commiserate with uh, the fine folks up in Ottawa. The um, the Rideau Canal. They call it the Rideau Canal Skateway. Uh, it's uh, recognized by uh, Guinness as the world's largest naturally frozen ice rink. Well, 
for the uh, for the first time, I guess, in um, five decades. It's not ready for their big, uh, I don't know what they call it up there, their winter fest. So there'll be no skating on the Rideau Canal. And of course, they're blaming global warming. Now, we have a backyard rink, and it's not been a, a stellar year for outdoor hockey rinks. You know, making ice is kind of complicated. It's not just about the temperatures. Even if you get the cold temperatures, if the sun, if you don't get cloudy days, the sun comes out, it can melt a little bit of the surface. Um, it's It's hard. Making ice outdoors without, you know, artificial refrigeration is a tricky business. But what about these claims that the Rideau Canal um, is not skatable because of global warming? Tony Heller is the founder of RealClimateScience.com. Hey, Tony, how are you? I am good, Richard. How about you? I'm very well. Are you familiar? Have you been up to Ottawa and, and have you been on the Rideau Canal skating before? Uh, no, I lived in Burlington, Vermont, across the border for a while, but never been up to Ottawa. All right. Now, I know one of the reasons we love you, Tony, is because you're, uh, uh, and I mean this with great affection, you're a real weather nerd. <laughs> because you go into the data, you go back, and this is how you catch, you know, a lot of these climate bedwetters uh, up in their deception. Because you go back and you actually check the records. Uh, but, I mean, is this unusual uh, for the Rideau Canal? I mean, it, it, it needs to be pretty thick, right? The ice needs to be pretty thick when you've got, like, thousands of people skating on it. Uh, so just, you know, the fact that it freezes isn't enough. They need it to be, like, frozen, like, I don't know, like a, a foot thick, which is a pretty tall order. Anyway, what are your thoughts? Well, I just tweeted this morning from Fort Collins, Colorado, how the ice in northern Colorado, there's ice in mid-March on, on all the lakes in northern Colorado, which is very extremely unusual. I've never seen it before. Usually that ice is gone by um, by mid-February. And um, we've been having an incredibly cold, icy winter here out west. I was up hiking with the dogs this morning in the mountains up in Wyoming. It's still like very cold January weather. And the Western United States has had an, and Western Canada has had an incredibly cold, snowy, icy winter. So what the press does, they, they focus on whatever areas are warm. Um, but we know that the winter of 1877, 1878, there was no winter weather at all in the upper Midwest and the East. It stayed warm the entire winter. So th this is not unusual and it's, it, and the, just the fact that it's warm in Ottawa doesn't mean it's warm in other places. You know, Western Canada has had an extremely cold, snowy, icy winter. And of course, they choose to ignore that. Right. And also, you know, right there in the article, they admit that uh, they say this is the first time in five decades that they haven't been able to skate on the Rideau Canal. In other words, 50 years ago, when there was there was less CO2 in the atmosphere, they Again, they weren't able to skate, so they had a warmer winter. Yeah, you know, the 1932 Winter Olympics at Lake Placid, New York, almost had to be canceled because of a lack of snow. And in fact, the seven of the first nine Winter Olympics from 1924 
um, in, into the mid 1960s, all had a severe shortage of snow. So th- this is not unusual circumstances for places that ski resorts and ice skating resorts to not have enough snow, cold or ice during the winter. We've gotten spoiled in recent decades with fairly consistent winters. But in the past, it wasn't like this. There were many winters where there wasn't cold enough to ski or or ice skate. Right, right. Yeah. Um, uh, last year for us, we had a pretty good year for our backyard rink. This year, again, it's complicated making outdoor ice. And it's not just dependent on uh, on the temperature. Again, you need uh, you need um Cloudy days, because even when it's below zero, if you have the sun beating down on the ice, it'll it'll still melt a little bit. So it's uh, it's very complicated, as I say. Very quickly, I just wanted to ask you, this is interesting uh, story on Climate Depot about a, uh, a Reuters veteran reporter, 32, 32 years covering sort of science, uh, global science and technology for them since the mid 1990s. And now he's coming clean on climate change. He said, I had no reason to think this wasn't established fact. I was wrong. Do you uh, have you heard about Neil Winton before? No, I I read the article. I hadn't heard about him before, but they've created the press has created this completely fake inverted story that that there's this solid science of global warming and that oil companies have perverted it with their money, which is the exact opposite of what's actually going on. They've created this completely fake consensus and fake story that we're in some sort of climate crisis, which has been fed by huge, big green money and has been disputed by the actual legitimate scientists who've been smeared and trashed by the press. And it's good to see that some people in the press are starting to figure out that they've been part of a massive scam and they've been used and they've been telling the exact opposite of what the real story is. Yeah, let me just uh, crib here a quote from, again, Neil Winton, 32-year Reuters veteran reporter. Uh, He says, when I became Reuters global science and technology correspondent in the mid-90s, the global warming story was top of my agenda. Already by then, the BBC was scaring us, saying we would all die unless humankind mended its selfish ways. Carbon dioxide was the culprit and had to be tamed, then eliminated. I had no reason to think this wasn't established fact. I was wrong. My Reuters credentials meant that I had easy access to the world's finest climate scientists. To my amazement, none of these would say categorically that the link between CO2 and global warming, now known as climate change, was a proven scientific fact. Some said human production of CO2 was a probable cause. Others that it might make some contribution. Some said CO2 had no role at all. Everybody agreed that the climate had warmed over the last 10,000 years as the ice age retreated, but most weren't really sure why. The sun's radiation, which changes over time, was a favored culprit. There you have it. A Reuters um, correspondent coming clean, a very brave man. Tony, uh, what's going on up at uh, realclimatescience.com? What are you working on? Oh, I'm going to make a video later today showing how um, all this uncertainty, which the press claims, how they've been consistently wrong about everything. Um, one of the more interesting stories is what's happened in California this winter, where everyone in the press and the U.S. government predicted a very warm, dry winter for California. And instead, they've had their coldest, snowiest winter on record, which is still ongoing. 
And they, they still claim they know what they're talking about. They claim certainty when, in fact, they have absolutely no clue what they're doing. And they're, they're, they're just ambulance chasing snake oil salesmen, you know, trying to scare people about whatever the current weather pattern is. And if it moves, if the, if the warm weather moves from California to Ottawa, we see exactly what happens. They just shift their scam from one location to another. There's never any mea culpa. There's never any retraction. There's never any, any integrity from the press at all. Tony Heller, founder of RealClimateScience.com. Tony, you have a great rest of the week, and we'll talk next Wednesday. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. You too, thanks. All right, hour two, Jim McMurtry has been a school teacher for four decades, and he was fired in February of this year uh, because, well, he, he had the audacity to tell the truth about the residential schools in Canada. That story is coming up next on The Richard Serrett Show. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption. This is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell. I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. We're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. You're out of order! You're out of order! The Abbotsford District School Board in British Columbia is out of order, and we'll get to that story in just a moment. Welcome to Hour 2 of the Richard Serrett Show, and if you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't, don't beat yourself up. Don't be so hard on yourself. Just get here on time next time, but there's still plenty of great programming coming your way. Last order of business, Jay Goldberg will be here, Ontario and Interim Atlantic Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. And uh, we'll talk about um, Bill C-11, controversial Bill C-11. And uh, critics are stunned, furious, 
at the uh, the liberals rejecting a very important Senate amendment from this uh, online streaming bill. The liberal government says they won't accept a Senate amendment aimed at limiting the scope of the CRTC and their power over online content. Jay Goldberg will be here to discuss that. We'll uh, carve out a little bit of time for you to call in as well. Had a lively call in during the uh, first hour. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. The number to get on board. And uh, we'll open up the phone, phone lines momentarily. But first, a um, an Abbotsford District School Board high school teacher taught for four decades and he's been he's been fired he was fired last month his crime refusing to affirm one of the craziest false narratives regarding residential schools it's one that we've heard before this idea that there are thousands of unmarked mass graves mass graves containing the bodies of children who were murdered in their sleep by evil Catholic priests. There's zero evidence for that. Were there abuses in residential schools? No question. Were the conditions suitable? No, they were not. But were Catholic priests and nuns murdering children and tossing them into uh, mass graves? No, no. Jim McMurtry is the aforementioned uh, high school teacher who was fired uh, last month, and uh, he joins us now. Jim, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Richard. Uh, Take us back. I guess this started in 2021. Uh, One incident that I just mentioned, uh, was it a student that that, um, talked about Catholic priests murdering children? That's right. So just kind of walk us through. What what happened? What did he say? How did you respond? And then what transpired afterwards? I was at a school where I wasn't known, a substitute teacher. I was wearing a mask. It was during COVID. I'm a white-skinned male, so I'm sort of the enemy for some people just to begin with. And um, there were, we were all asked that day because it was the first day that schools could address the, the, the story. And they went around the world that you've already mentioned about teachers and Hamlet's murdering 215 of their children. All I said that got myself in trouble was that that most students that were enrolled in residential schools who tragically died did so from disease, particularly tuberculosis. That was enough to be labeled a genocide denier. And as you know, there's an NDP member of parliament, Leah Gazin, who is trying to have people like me called deniers and be made guilty of hate speech. Right. So. That was, I mean, it wasn't, there wasn't any confrontation. There was no shouting with the student. The student suggested that, and, and this came in, 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 um, after the, uh, the, the discovery of, let's call them, uh, underground impressions near this Kamloops residential school. To date, I don't think any graves have been, uh, uh, discovered. Um, and of course, that, what ensued after that was canceling. Canada Day and churches being firebombed and flags being flown at half mast and still to date, no evidence, uh, you know, what lies beneath uh, the ground near the uh, Kamloops residential school. But uh, sorry, back to my point, there was no shouting. There was no confrontation with a student. No, I teachers don't operate that way because you don't want to alienate one's students. Um, So what we tend to do is agree with students and then 
sort of navigate a little bit toward, you know, established facts and so forth. But, you know, she, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of people believing that there was, um, you know, it may, I need to make this point, Richard, that all members of our federal parliament on, on October 27 voted in a motion saying that Canada committed genocide through its residential schools. So, of course, there wasn't a genocide. And in Kamloops, they haven't found anything and they never will because there's no one police investigation. There's no one allowed anywhere near the apple orchard. They know there was a septic bed put in there in 1924. So the soil anomalies are septic trenches or, or tiles. It's it's not true. And um, and yet kids all across Canada are being are being told this genocide lie and, and continue to be. Right. So were you uh, were you escorted from the school that same day or what happened after that? Well, I was already outed a little bit as a, a rational thinker that, you know, there's a lot of woke indoctrination happening in schools, you know, kids having to memorize and use pronouns they're uncomfortable with. You know, there's talk about puberty blockers and all sorts of books are being banned even Dr. Seuss and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Royal doll. So there's lots of things to be concerned about in school. So one that most upsetting to me is everyone being uh, put into little racial boxes. And and uh, so there's tremendous sensitivity to anything indigenous. And, and I don't have a problem with being sensitive about anything or, or anyone. What I have a hard time is a grade 12 history teacher is is telling kids things that aren't true. So that that's my motivation is not political or religious or sexual or any of those things. I leave all that at the school door. I am just trying to get it right for my students. And my employer was insisting that I lie. And I was let out of the classroom and my career. That's a literary term called a zugma um, on, for saying the truth. And, and I was I was frog marched out and I haven't taught since. And that was two years ago. And I was um, fired two weeks ago because I'm not repentant because I, I, I follow established facts. So you were uh, under suspension and then uh, you refused to, in their words, you know, you refused to keep your, your mouth shut. You, you, you spoke up about this, what was happening to you. And that didn't go well with the board as well, right? Yeah, but it was even less nefarious than that. I don't think it was did anything wrong. But the, the candidate wanted to make such a display. You already mentioned the flag going down and. You know, the, all the things that you encountered today, but there was so much more. And the most ugly part, of course, was all the retribution against Christian churches and many of them on the reserve, which is, you know, you say their people are attacking their own people because, you know, those churches meant something. So um, it's not that I wanted to speak out. I was teaching Calculus 12 that day. It was the principal got on the PA and said to all the teachers, he was directed by the, the school board, and, and again, the same all across Canada, to really milk this. This is a woke fantasy to have white Christians as the bad guys. In this case, you know, doing the, mo- the, the, the I would think, the, the worst crime imaginable, which is to kill large numbers of, you know, innocent children who are simply going to school and under the, the, their care. But teachers don't kill 250 of their own students in one school. It's not good for one's reputation. But it's also, or, or you know, it's just the most absurd thing. So the, the fact, again, that, um, and I know you have viewers who are probably thinking, well, that's not what I was told. But, you know, it's a sad thing that, that it's, being, it's being, you know, the only thing buried in Kamloops is the truth. 
And I don't understand why my story, a Canadian teacher being, being fired for telling the truth, why it's not being covered by CBC or the Globe and Mail or the Toronto Star or all sorts of media outlets. I'm getting lots of coverage um, and thankfully an alternative um, media news sources and I think truth-telling ones and, uh, and large-scale ones like National Post and Rebel News and so forth. But why is are so many media figures, my story has gone around the world, but but they're not talking about, and they're not talking in those same places like CBC about the teacher who has you know the, the problem is you know of uh, autogynephilia who wears has huge prosthetic breasts with erect nipples in front of students so it's as though half of what's happening in Canada is is being concealed from the tax paying public and the worst part is that the the what they are doing to denigrate. Christian children in the classroom. They're made to to feel, to wear the mantle of all the sins of Canada's past. And yet Canada's past is, I think, relative to other countries, rather noble and spectacular and democratic. Jim, we'll take a quick time out. Jim McMurtry stays with us. School teacher for four decades, fired by the Abbotsford British Columbia District School Board for telling the truth. Back with more of our conversation in three minutes. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. And we are back with Jim McMurtry, who was uh, fired last month for uh, refusing to affirm a crazy, unsubstantiated narrative about residential schools, namely that uh, Catholic priests were murdering Indigenous students. I guess, in their sleep and throwing them into unmarked graves. And this is a narrative, uh, incidentally, that is believed by many students. And why wouldn't they believe them? They, they're fed this nonsense constantly in the schools, but it's not true. And because he refused to affirm that narrative from a student and reinforce the truth, which is that most students who died in residential schools, died of disease, namely tuberculosis. And there's no question that there were students that were mistreated. Um, were the schools uh, up to safety standards? Probably not. I mean, th- there is much to be uh, sh- ashamed re- regarding the residential schools. But to uh, to push this, this falsehood that, that Catholic priests were murdering children and that there are Tens of thousands of unmarked graves around the country, mass graves, totally unsubstantiated. Uh, Jim, um, it might be interesting to, uh, for you to, to mention a little bit of your background because people might say, well, what does Jim McMurtry know about, uh, you know, indigenous history? Well, thank you for that opportunity. I'm from Toronto. I went to the University of Toronto for a Ph.D., in educational philosophy and history. So I know a great deal about indigenous education. I'm also the son of Roy McMurtry, who was the uh, Chief Justice of Ontario right up until 2007. And uh, so, and he was an architect in bringing the Canadian Charter of Rights um, into existence and, you know, talking about, among other things, freedom of conscience and so forth. And then I don't understand why, why teachers aren't allowed to freely discuss a lot of subjects with students and object to things, whether it's puberty blockers or are foreign pronouns for children or having to memorize the pride flag or losing good literature to be replaced with um, 
you know, something that's subpar. There's so many things they're having in the school, the, the daily land acknowledgements, talk about how terrible we are and our ancestors were. None of that is true. And I, and I think, if I may say residential schools, that the people who came, many of them came from Europe to teach, particularly at Kamloops, um, who were Oblate brothers and, and priests and the sisters of St. Anne, they, they, didn't, they didn't commit genocide or killing field. They, they had school outings and a swimming pool and grad events and, and a lot of good instruction. They educated the children. So why this needs to be seen as Trudeau's genocide so he can virtue signal a little bit more on the world stage is, is beyond my comprehension. But I think as a teacher, my job is to, again, to, to relate what really transpired in our past. I, I don't think it's, I think it for anything other than that, I, I, I'd have, you know, I think I'd be a tremendous disappointment to my students. The uh, the Abbotsford uh, School District Board report said Mr. McMurtry's personal opinions, personal opinions regarding residential schools were seen in contradiction to the truth and reconciliation work that is currently underway in the district. So let's talk about the the actual truth and reconciliation commission. Their findings agree with yours, right? Well, that's where I got and that's where I got my information. I read the Truth and Reconciliation Report the day this came out, which was a couple of days before it came up in schools, which was Monday, May 31st, 2021. So it was right out of it. Yeah, there's there no talk of murder. There's no talk of in any form of abuse um, in the, you know, that led to death. Um, it was this is um, apocryphal. This isn't true. And and um, and even the Truth and Reconciliation Report is kind of an interesting document because it starts to change as it moves toward the final report, which becomes very political. So there are a lot of people that are part of this industry. Um, and, and I would just like to speak to one side of it. And that is that our government leaders thinking they're doing something to further themselves present by presenting themselves as saviors. Trudeau saying everybody before me was lousy. The schools were lousy. You know, the government leaders were lousy. And then, in fact, genocidal. But look at me. Look what I'm able to achieve. I, I just don't think it's anything more than that because there's absolutely not a whit of evidence. And yes, they fired me from my job. But um, I don't think I'm going to lose in the end because the truth has a funny way of surfacing. Right. Yes. And you mentioned a key word there, I think, industry. And that's what it has become. Uh, the uh, indigenous activism industry, like so many others, the homelessness industry, uh, which seek to uh, their 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 mission is to exist and grow rather than to solve the problem. Uh, we'll take one final time. I'll come back a few moments yet remain with Jim McMurtry as we discuss uh, his firing from the Abbotsford, B.C. High uh, District School Board after four decades of teaching back with more of our conversation in three minutes. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Welcome back. So back in 2021, one of Jim McMurtry's uh, students said that priests had murdered and tortured children at the uh, residential school in Kamloops and left them to die in the snow. Jim McMurtry simply pointed out the truth, that is, that most children at residential schools died from disease, primarily tuberculosis. And for that, he was suspended and then later fired last month, in fact, after four decades of teaching. Um, Jim, did you have the um, 
I mean, what did your colleagues say? Because I think you pointed out in an earlier interview, many of your colleagues are walking on eggshells. Did you get any support from your colleagues? Do they do they feel the same way, but they're afraid to speak out? That's an excellent question. You know, the teachers right across Canada and I've been able to, you know, through social media, connect with all sorts of people. They're not only feeling that they're all the feeling that the schools have been ideologically captured by um, a cult is it's replacing not just Christianity, it's replacing traditional education. The kids are no longer in school um, to learn their ABCs and the three R's and so forth, or to learn other letters. The kids are in school, the school to become, you know, I think converts to this, to this woke ideology. And, uh, and I'm just surprised that, uh, yeah, it's hard because you don't want to have like me fired for standing up to it. But if enough parents and uh, students and particularly teachers got together and said, no, we're not doing this anymore. It would just collapse like a house of cards. This is complete nonsense. All of it. And communism didn't work out. And the new thing they call equity is the same as communism. This idea that all groups have to have the same outcomes. And to do that, you have to make um, white children or Asian children in the classroom feel guilty. You know, being as they're accused of privilege and oppression and microaggressions because they've got better marks than other kids. So what uh, are you finished teaching now or are you are you are you actively looking for work outside of the public school system? What's happening with you personally? Well, thank you. So I mean, personally, is that I I will never work again in all likelihood because as a fired teacher, you know, in my 60s, I just don't think anyone will be lining up to hire me. So this is, you know, it's a hard blow. Having said that, I am delighted to be with you and, and have been with others. Um, I think that at the end of the day, I'm going to make a difference. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. And, um, and, and what could be sweeter than that for a teacher, feeling that in some way I've helped students because uh, they don't go to school to be programmed into a fault. They go to school to do what I went to school for, which is to develop oneself academically, intellectually, socially, morally, spiritually, physically. It's, I just don't understand what's happening in schools. It's not at all what people think. They're not going to mess with your pension, I hope, are they? No, they can't do that. But they've certainly messed with everything else. And um, and yet again, I'm not worried at all because uh, because it's all going to um, it's just all going to collapse because I just think enough people realize, you know, the extent of the indoctrination that children shouldn't be put into race categories or, or baskets at school. They shouldn't be exploited or groomed. 
I talked to a mother in Abbotsford who said that her daughter has a group of friends, all girls, of course, as you know, at, at her school. Four of them are transitioning to become men, become male. So this is not a little problem. This is a huge problem. And and how religion, not just Christianity, but all religions are treated. It's, just, it's shocking. They're trying to take children away from their parents and away from the vital values of a democracy, which is to have more than one opinion, to, to come to one's own conclusions about difficult issues. Is this problem, is the, the root of this problem to be found with uh, radical progressives who see school boards as kind of a stepping stone to a, light, a career in, in, uh, in, in public office? Is it the school boards? Is it happening at the Ministry of Education level? Where is the root problem? Well, absolutely. It's, it's happening at those levels. And people will take any ideology and running up the f- school flag pole, you know, if it makes them, you know, get a bigger salary, if it gives them more attention or whatever. But there's tremendous insincerity. It's all lip service. I think it really does come down from maybe even from, you know, world bodies, but certainly it comes down from the federal government. And I don't believe for a minute that Trudeau is morally on a superior plane than the rest of us. But, but by doing this and pretending that he's the savior again for all grieved victim groups and human history, he has this way of positioning himself as, as you know, again, as, as a savior, as a prophet. And yet all he's doing is dividing, dividing children. They're looking at each other and going, oh, what are you? what you do in schools is to try and make every child feel a little bit better about him or herself. You don't pit them against others. We have our own version of the 1619 project up here. And I guess maybe the answer is, well, in the U S president Trump was suggesting maybe a 1776 project. We need an 1867 project. Uh, What are your plans um, now? I mean, where are you going to go with this fight next? Well, it's really interesting you ask that because uh, um, I've been really for a long time now alone because one of the things happens when you're suspended, you can't talk to anybody, students, parents, colleagues, and so forth. So all of a sudden I'd be, you know, it's like someone walking in a dark theater trying to get to the washroom and ending up on the stage. And I'm under this glare of lights and I didn't want to be here. I didn't imagine I'd ever be here, but I'm going to seize the moment. I'm going to continue to show people um, what's wrong in our schools. And I'm getting support from all over the place, including from one senator in the U.S., women from Australia, all over the world. And I think I'm going to make a difference. And, um, and what comes after that, I don't know. All I want now is to um, say I have nothing to lose. I've lost my job and my livelihood and my, my reputation. At least, again, I feel I can continue to teach, but in this way. And, and I thank you so much for allowing me not to feel that it's all over for me. Well, you're a courageous man. And um, I thank you for coming on. Is there a, do you want to uh, give people your, your Twitter handle where they can follow you on Twitter? Well, I, I would I appreciate thousands of people following me. And I, you know, I retweet stuff from other people who are also exposing this woke indoctrination. So thank you so much. What a pleasure, Richard, listening to you. And, and how can they follow you on Twitter, Jim? Well, my uh, my handle is James underscore Walter zero one. James underscore Walter zero one. Jimmy. Or, yeah, I'm also uh, you know all over the news and on the, in the YouTube and um, you know um, Google under Jim McMurtry. So it'd be an honor for people to 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 hear how my career came to an end. Thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, let's open up the phone lines. Your thoughts, questions, comments, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show right after these. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Perhaps you'd like to respond or um, give your comments after hearing Jim McMurtry, high school teacher, son of the late Roy McMurtry, former, I believe he was a former solicitor general in Ontario under the under Bill Davis and later a um, a judge, very esteemed uh, career in public service and uh, likewise uh, Jim McMurtry teaching four decades and uh, one day, one fateful day, just days after the revelation that um, alleged unmarked graves were discovered near a Kamloops residential school. He was teaching in an Abbotsford uh, public uh, high school when a student suggested that those graves may contain the uh, bodies of indigenous children that were murdered by Catholic priests and left or or tortured or murdered and uh, thrown into a grave. However, that's not true. It, It is without any evidence In fact, we still have no evidence that there are any graves unmarked or otherwise near that Kamloops residential school. It's possible. They will find graves. They don't seem to be in a real hurry to provide evidence. And all of all that Jim McMurtry did was to essentially quote from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission report, which said that the vast majority of people that of young children that died in residential schools died of disease, namely tuberculosis. There is much to be ashamed about with, with regards to residential schools. Did Indigenous children receive the standard of care that they should have? Probably not in many cases. There were children that that died tragically in fires at residential schools. Were these residential schools up to, up to uh, standard when it came to safety? Perhaps not. But there, there is no evidence that there are unaccounted missing children who were murdered by priests or nuns or residential school teachers lying somewhere in an unmarked grave zero evidence for that. And yet, if you dare to even point that out, you're considered a genocide denier. And in Jim McMurtry's case, he was fired for speaking the truth. 289-275-9600-289-275-9600. Coming up in uh, mere moments, Jake Goldberg will be here, Ontario 
and interim Atlantic director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. This is um, uh, talking about Bill C-11, which will give the CRTC powers over online content. Very controversial bill. It passed the Senate. The Senate, however, added some amendments to limit the scope of the CRT's powers. But the, but the uh, liberal government is um, not in agreement on that amendment. They want the CRTC to, CRTC to have very broad powers, which means content producers, digital content producers. Technically, I am a digital content producer. I have a podcast. This program is also available as a podcast. Many of our fine independent news organizations like Rebel News, True North. It's going to be very difficult for them to survive under Bill C-11. So Jay Goldberg will be here to talk about that. In fact, uh, we'll get to him next. Stay tuned. The Richard Serrett Show continues right after these. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. I know we're all focused on the um, the report that w- is supposed to be tabled today in the House of Commons from the um, House Affairs Committee, which would force a motion uh, seeking a public inquiry into communist Chinese meddling in our election. And looks like Trudeau is doubling down and continues to be defiant, saying he won't call for a public inquiry. However, there is something else going on, another matter that's uh, also needing our attention, and that is controversial Bill C-11, which ostensibly the Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez says is simply to uh, encourage um, or give the CRTC power to I guess, encourage Netflix and, and, um, and others um, to help develop Canadian content. However, there was a Senate amendment to make sure that Canadian digital content producers wouldn't be adversely affected. And uh, the Liberal government has said, no, they're not agreeing with that amendment. And uh, it could very quickly now become law as is. Jay Goldberg is with us, Ontario and Interim Atlantic Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation joins us. Jay, welcome back. How are you? Uh, great to be with you. All right. So um, the um, again, ostensibly, uh, I, I tried my best to explain what C-11 is supposed to be about, according to the liberals. What did I miss? So the Liberals are saying that Bill C-11 is all about promoting Canadian content, making sure it gets adequate exposure. The reality is it's all about government control. And and the Liberal government has proved it this week because the Senate passed an amendment put forward by two senators appointed to the chamber by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau himself. And the amendment says the CRTC cannot regulate user-generated content, and that includes social media. And so you've got experts like Dr. Michael Geist out there who are saying that if they reject this amendment and the minister is attempting to reject it right now, the government's real intent is becoming clear, and that is to regulate user-generated content in Canada. If they didn't want to come after your uh, Twitter feeds and, and and all your other feeds, they would accept this amendment. The fact that they are not willing to allow this very small, reasonable amendment that has support from all over the country shows what their objective is, and that is to filter what we can say and see online. 
So in other words, they're giving the CRTC, they're being deliberately vague here and giving the CRTC far reach, far reaching powers to what will amount to censorship uh, of digital content creators uh, in Canada. Yeah, and even social media. So what they're doing is they're saying to the CRTC, you know, we're going to give you power to reorder what people see on the Internet. And, you know, once this bill's passed into law, we're going to think about giving you some instructions that maybe tell you to only go after this kind of content, but not that kind of content and focus on promoting Canadian content. The reality is they're looking to pass this bill that gives a huge blank check to the CRTC to filter what we can say and see online. They're telling us the CRTC is only going to be told to do this for honorable reasons to promote Canadian content. But I think we've all seen in way too many cases that when government gives government bureaucrats the power to do something, they end up doing it. And that is the big concern. And and if the government wants to allay these concerns from people all over the country, all they have to do is accept the Senate amendment passed by liberal senators. They won't do that. The CRTC has a new chair, Vicky Atridas, I think her name is pronounced. Um, she says, this, you know, there will there will be public consultations, uh, which, as you know, if the past is any indication, the CRTC generally does have very lengthy, lengthy, drawn out public consultations. Uh, what about that? I mean, is 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 the CRTC um, likely to, I don't know, um, sort of curb its powers if enough people in these consultations express their their dismay with C-11? Well, I mean, the power will be on the book. So then it becomes up to, you know, it becomes up to those at the CRTC, the chair of the CRTC and others to make that decision. But do we really want to give them this power, this very dangerous power, and then just let them decide if they want to use it or not? And maybe this chair decides not to use it. Maybe the folks who are there right now decide not to use it, but the next people do. Uh, This This kind of law, it's never been tried before in a democratic country. It's akin to what's done in China and North Korea. It genuinely is. This is filtering what we can say and see online. And it it appears that the NDP and the bloc are ready to go along with this with the liberals to reject an amendment that was inserted by Trudeau appointed senators. So worst case scenario, what would this mean, let's say, for uh, independent independent media, which exist only in the digital realm? Like Rebel News, like True North, what worst case scenario would happen to them under Bill C-11 or when it becomes law? Well, the CRTC will be given power to decide what counts as quote unquote Canadian content. That will be up to the CRTC. So we don't know. Are they going to be objective and decide that? Places like True North and others are, are, you know, Canadian content because they're from Canada and they cover Canadian topics, perhaps. But they also might decide. We've heard Public Safety Minister Mendicino say repeatedly that, you know, they you have to curb uh, dis, uh, disunity in the country. And so there's a very real concern that the CRTC could turn around and say, well, we're only going to promote Canadian content, but also content that meets another set of criteria that we believe is important, such as promoting unity in the country, which is something that the public safety minister talked about. And obviously, any media that is critical of the government, you have to wonder, is probably going to be considered media that's promoting a lack of unity in the country because they're not adhering to the government talking points. And so that's the real concern. That's what we're going to see if C-11 gets in there. 
Uh, yeah, I think the term they use is uh, social cohesion, which is a term that President Xi in China uses. You know, we must maintain social cohesion. In other words, uh, we must, con- you know, we, we, we must have everybody in lockstep agreement with, with the government for the benefit of social cohesion. Um, now, the, um, the third reading, I mean, does this have to go because they're voting against this amendment? Does that mean that that this will have to go back to the Senate for for um, uh, another vote or after they vote in the House, does it go to the governor general to be signed for royal assent? No, it'll have to go back to the Senate because they are making changes. They're accepting some amendments. They're rejecting the important ones. But the problem is going to be the Senate as a non-elected institution is highly unlikely to reject for a second time what the House of Commons is deciding to do. It's pretty unprecedented. So we could just see senators buckle and say, you know what, they'll throw up their hands and say, we tried our best, but this government is hellbent on censoring Canadians. Uh, Trudeau appointed senators tried their best. Canadian content creators tried their best. Civil liberties organizations tried their best. And these the government's just willing to, you know, roll right over everybody, uh, completely reject any possible concerns. And of course, as public attention is partially diverted to this, you know, Chinese influence and Chinese subversion in our elections and Prime Minister Trudeau, again, absolutely adamant that he won't do anything uh, genuine to address the issue. I think this is just going to be a week of so many topics that are negative for the liberals and they're just going to try to push everything through. On the other hand, there are rumblings, Jay, that he could prorogue a parliament, uh, in which case everything that's currently on the what do they call that the order table would die, right? Including Bill C eleven, they'd have to would they have to start from scratch in that case, wouldn't they? They'd have to go back. They'd have to go back to the drawing board. And so I think what you'll see if they do want to prorogue, I think they're going to see a rush to try to get this through, probably tomorrow, and then demand that the Senate very quickly say, you know, you know what, we're willing to accept this, even if you get rid of our amendments. And within days, they'll try to have it signed into law. And then maybe after that, they'll look at prorogation. But the way they're speeding through with this, it looks to me like they're trying to get this in under the wire. All right. Well, not great news. Jay, thank you so much for your time as always. Thank you. Jay Goldberg, Ontario and Interim Atlantic Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, taxpayer.com, the website taxpayer. That's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. 
Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.